Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delt and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, where you are, and welcome to another episode of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from OpenStack Summit. And um, this is a little bit, even though I came in late, this is a little bit of getting the band back together here. Um, <laughs> so uh, my guests today are um, two folks from CloudStack Days, but, but they went off and done something else. And we're going to talk about that today a good bit. So first of all, we have Shang, CEO of Rancher Labs. Rancher Labs and Shannon Williams. Hi, everyone. And uh, Shannon, I don't know your title. What is your title, oh, dude? Just everything that's not development, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. What do you? What does the title mean when you have eighteen people? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yes. And marketing, and, sales, BD. Right. Exactly. Talking. And we're catching we're catching you guys at the end of a very long day, and so you know, Shannon doesn't normally sound quite like. No, that. my voice is basically gone. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Luckily, it's just an indication of how much interest there is in Docker. It's insane. I can't yeah. stop talking. So, exactly. exactly. Unfortunately, this is only day two of four, so I have no idea what I'll sound like. In lots two of cough drops, lots of tea. That's a, yeah. You're not kidding. Um, all right. So before we get into the rancher stuff, so I kind of wanted to go back for a little bit, um, back to uh, cloud.com and, and CloudStack days for a little bit of, you know, a little bit of quick history, but also what I really wanted to dig, dig into, because I think everyone kind of knows that at this point, but what are kind of some of the like lessons learned or the transferable skills when it comes to kind of building something up, mm-hmm. kind of getting it settled somewhere and then going off and doing the next thing? Yeah. No, I, I would say, I mean, Shannon could comment a lot more on that because re- this is really li- right up on his alley. Is uh, I think one thing that Cloud.com did a little bit differently from uh, a lot of our contemporaries. It was, a, by the way, it was a very, very competitive space back then. In the, in, you know, in, in 2009 and 2010, there were probably more than uh, a dozen or so uh, uh, cloud stackish uh, like things uh, going on, and 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 we just really focused on our customers, meaning we kind of just built uh, products specifically for customers who wanted to deploy it today, who are willing to, you know, spend real resource on it today, as opposed to going with, you know, IHOP hypothesis where the market is going. So, so we had Sh- uh, Shannon pretty much started cloud.com with me and, and he, he was just instrumental getting, uh, getting, getting all the customer tractions going early on. Shannon? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's Aaron, Aaron it's interesting when we, <clears throat> when we started talking about infrastructure as a service back in 2008, sorry for my voice. Um, it was, it was really new. I mean, people were kind of, you know, they knew what Amazon was. It'd been around for a couple of years, but putting it into production was hard. It was just, you're talking about writing code, really getting down into the weeds. And, you know, we didn't know that there was going to be an enterprise private cloud market. What there was at the time, though, was real implementations of public cloud. Like people wanted to build public clouds and they were eager as probably putting it mildly. They were desperate. I mean, we kind of realized it months into starting our company that people were building it themselves. And so luckily we, you know, we started working with those kind of companies, you know, companies like KT and BT and GoDaddy that wanted to build public clouds. And because of that, when the private cloud market finally sort of arrived a few years later, you know, CloudStack already had you know, hundreds of users and thousands of servers and was really running at scale and kind of had been tested by people so that 
a lot of our a lot of our competitors probably had one customer or two customers. They maybe had you know, some open source users, but it wasn't really working. And so by the time you know companies like Zynga started looking at things, it was it was really you know they, we were actually quite mature. And I think that you know as a startup, all you really want is is a chance to learn with your customers. You know, validate where you think there's an opportunity, where you think they have challenges, and build tools to address that. So, yeah, yeah, no, and the, the, probably the number one thing I've always kind of said around all of this, and the number one thing I probably learned coming into the organization was, was yeah, it's like, find a problem, fix a problem. I mean, it's almost as simple as that when it yeah. comes to, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we talk to a lot of startups on the podcast and, and either on air or off air. My number one question is always like, what is the problem you're solving? Right. Because yeah. how succinctly they can answer that simple question, you can almost get a bead on how well the company is, is I wouldn't say going to do, but, mm-hmm. but how well pos- positioned they are and how well they've thought about it to, to right. start. That's right. Um, so speaking of that, you know, the, let's move on to Rancher. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, when you and I had talked to them, talking to Shang here, when you and I talked, it was AWS Summit. So it was November last year and I had like the super, super early demo and, right. and um, you know, I almost got the the kind of the impression a little bit of of um, it was um, provisioning for Docker right. at the time, right? right and right, is that right. kind of is it correct to kind of put it in that bucket? And then the following yeah. question is going to be, of course, you know, what problem does it solve? Yeah, right? ab- absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so we, you know, uh, let, let, let me let me get into that. Uh, Docker, as all of you know, are just really taking off uh, like a storm, uh, especially amongst the developers. And we uh, we knew it was kind of a matter of time before uh, people would want to put it into production. Meaning, you know, they don't just run it on a laptop or one AWS instance, but they run it on hundreds of instances or thousands of containers, tens of thousands of containers. So that's really what uh, what Rancho was created to solve. I mean, think about it. If you want to run uh, containers just on one host, uh, it's actually fairly easy. You know, you don't have to worry about networking because, you know, they will just be able to see each other naturally. You don't have to worry about storage. You don't really have to worry about load balancing, right? You don't, there's not many security issues. You're, you're in a, you're in a developing environment, so you probably would have hard-coded all your passwords and all your, you know, all your, uh, right. access to the database. So <laughs> this Pass- is password one, two, three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're the standard MySQL password, you know, which, yeah, so, mm-hmm. so, uh, so, so, so that's, um, uh, so that's, that's really, uh, uh, we, we started a rancher to specifically solve the problem of, uh, uh getting organizations who run to, want to start to run Docker at scale. So what that means is uh, now you have containers residing, running on multiple hosts. They would have to talk to each other. And if they're used to implement different services, they have to discover each other. So that, inclu- that, that, that involves something uh, you know, for the technical terms that involves a DNS server. And then we're going to have to manage that and there are many instances of it because it's kind of an HA configuration and then uh, we're going to have to check the health of the services we're going to have to um um, manage the the storage aspect of the infrastructure as well as the networking aspect because some of stateful Docker applications is beginning to appear as as enterprises start to adopt Docker and and and, and finally the, the the you know one of the things I mentioned earlier was really the security aspect you know it's a it's 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 in, in a developer environment the, the, the 
going from a development environment to production environment, you really have to make sure your credentials, your configuration, your, you know, your assets are just well protected and they're safely and securely injected into, into, into running containers. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Now, how far does this extend? Does it extend to like the scheduler and managing availability and, and plug-in of you know, third-party aspects does it do all of that as yeah. well may, may, uh, this is a this is a great question you know docker management is a is a big concept it it, yeah. it naturally encompasses a lot of things right like you know i i would also think um uh, systems like kubernetes would also qualify as a docker management system but it's not primarily branded that way and for good reason because the 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 we view kubernetes and i think kubernetes view themselves as primarily a way to orchestrate containers uh, that are used to implement a, a you know an application and uh, and they provide a means to, uh, you know, to describe an application, describe a collection of services, how these services are connected with each other, how these services are operated, how these services are scaled, how these services are upgraded. Then what, um, I, I mean, I think, uh, so, so, so people apply terms like Docker orchestration or Docker scheduling to mm-hmm. that. Then, uh, what Rancho comes in is we, you know, we operationalize all of that. So you take uh, a piece of input like Kubernetes, and we make sure that the Kubernetes workload actually work well mm-hmm. in your public, private, or, or, or bare metal cloud. And uh, and we don't just support Kubernetes. You know, Kubernetes as good as it is, it's a it's a today it's a relatively advanced means of creating container applications and we we found a lot more users who are more comfortable with the native docker command line experience or like docker compose which are sim- much simpler forms of creating application blueprints so 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 rancher actually we have far more u- users of rancher uh, uh, creating uh, docker applications through those technologies sure. as well yeah and if you think about <clears throat> if you think about where <clears throat> The templates are coming from for the, these application systems. They're, you know, they're being deployed not to often not to a single location. Often, you know, the resources that are making up this container platform that you're using, they're coming from different clouds. They're coming from different infrastructure sets. You may be using VMware. You may be using OpenStack. You may be using public cloud. You may be using private cloud. So, a lot of the the real power of something like Rancher is in taking resources coming from different locations and normalizing them, standardizing them, and implementing things like software-defined networks, software-defined storage, so that you don't have to integrate even Kubernetes with every resource pool that you're using and run it in, in Rackspace, run it in Amazon, run it in Google, and connect it up. You, you can really just sort of deploy it once, deploy it everywhere. And that's that's really the advantage of GitHub Ranchers, consistent infrastructure from inconsistent sources. No, that's 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 a great point. And let's talk a little bit about Rancher OS. Yeah. Um, so again, uh, just to c- kind of clarify, you know, kind of tiny OS speci- specifically, excuse me, built for containers. Um, this is a really crowded space all of a sudden. Right. Of you know, there's Core OS, there's VMware's Photon, there's Project Atomic at Red Hat. Um, I, I think it's Canonicals. Get, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, just about everyone's got one. Uh, you know. What is that at the end of the day? Like, do we need uh, Linux OS wars again and, you know, fragmentation and all of like, what's your take on all of that? Uh, I think, I think this is a fascinating topic. You know, it's, uh, it's too early to tell, but, um, uh, I, I think this is actually an indication of, uh, opportunities created by, uh, changes in, uh, consumption pattern. 
you know, when uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, anyone would argue the Linux distribution market is extremely mature, right? right. And, and, and I, I, you know, I, I would say until we did it, I didn't think there was even any reason for us to do it. But, uh, but what happened was uh, given Docker is becoming a very important form of workload, yep. right? And, 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 and there, you know, there are technical reasons why we uh, – we actually decided to do um, a, a Ranch OS, and it's well documented. I mean, we were a long time. We love the core OS, and uh, we, we Rancher still supports core OS. We have users, a lot of users running uh, uh, Rancher on core OS, Rancher management platform uh, managing core OS, uh, hosting Docker. So that totally works. But, but for, uh, for, for something very specific of uh, what we do, uh, 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 we ran into a bit of a problem uh, between, which is a lot of other people ran into the same problem. It's just a weird interaction between System D and, and mm-hmm. Docker Daemon, and it's just well understood in the community. And there are a lot of different ways of doing it. You know, you could uh, you could try to maybe create an alternative uh, container format that just doesn't have some of the characteristics of Docker, so it'll work better with System D. That's that's a possibility. But what we decided to do was a uh, um, uh, because there are a lot of users of Docker out there, we couldn't just tell them, you know, to, to move to another container format, right? So we, we decided that we really wanted to support the Docker users well, and 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 then you know one way to accomplish that is actually to remove System D from Linux distribution. Now that's a, actually a big step because all the Linux distributions today actually have System D inside it, and and we actually had to do some work in Docker to upstream some changes. So now Docker takes over the the role of System D as as an init process, and that's how uh, that's the really the genesis of 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 of, of, Rent, uh, of Rancher OS, very much rooted towards you know some of the issues we and our users right. had between interaction yep. between these different technologies. Gotcha. So you. You had a very specific need, and it was not out there, so you needed to go create it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's 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 been it's been quite remarkable because um, it's not. I mean, really, we we did it for our own, for ourselves, and it's actually been quite remarkable how many other people have found it useful. It so happens. I think it's a side effect, but but it, it so happens because we got rid of pretty much everything in in, in you know uh, uh, every piece of legacy technology in Linux. So we're left with just a kernel. And Docker Daemon, and the rest would be containers. So happens to be so small; it's like twenty megabytes. Right? Sure, so, so yep, that yep. alone captured a lot of people's uh, attention and imagination. So, so there's quite a bit of community excitement now. Oh, that's so. <laughs> and and where does I'm going to move on to the next piece? Where does Rancher VM fit oh, yeah. into all of this? Which is, uh, if I understand it correctly, it's it's effectively KVM inside yeah, a, a container. Uh, what is the kind of what is the differences between Containers in VMs, VMs in containers. Yeah, this is a, this, this is a, this <laughs> it is, gets really confusing. I know, it's really confusing. Right? I, I don't mean to confuse people, but this is actually a little experiment I did. Yeah. Uh, I did myself. Sure. You know, as the as the as the CEO of the company, I, I wanted to do some hacking and learn the technology. And as you know, I, you know, Aaron, you, you you and I probably feel the same. We just have such long-standing fondness for virtualization technology, right. given, given right. where we came from. Sure, right? couldn't quite uh, give up. All the benefits of it, <laughs> even as we started working with containers, right. and and I always a uh, little curious because uh, you know the, a lot of people have said containers going to completely dis- displace virtualization, and I don't believe that. I think the right. right way, even today and for the foreseeable future, to run containers will be to run them inside virtual machine. That means you run 
you know, you run Rancher on top of vSphere, mm-hmm. on top of OpenStack, CloudStack. I think that's that's the right way to go, or on, on top of Amazon. But um, but there are, there are also, I think, some interesting. I thought there were some interesting use cases where uh, where. Uh, Virtualization could actually potentially run inside the container, and and it, it rooted in some some of the interesting use cases I've heard from from users who say wanted to run a Windows workload inside the container. As you sure. know, Windows is not containerized yet, right? So we we ended up it's just a packaging exercise, you know. Wow. So so we package uh, uh, virtual machine packages as, as as part of the container, but there's it's an experiment. We'll see how it goes. It's not a, it's not one of Rancher Labs products or anything. So sure, just like any open source projects you know we'll see oh no that's that's great so i almost feel like i'm picking on shannon when i ask him a question now <laughs> but it's not like james earl jones i mean this is fantastic i really don't think i've ever sound this awesome <laughs> call your wife tonight seriously uh, man. so uh you know we've and we actually going back in the day we had a lot of conversations around this and and uh CloudStack has really always, and even I would say to this day, you know, seen as a, initially a much more complete solution than OpenStack. Even though we're at the OpenStack Summit here, we're going to talk about this a little bit. Of, you know, it, it was a great approach that, like you were saying earlier, just worked in the market. Right? We it was a complete solution to a problem. Right. And what is your thoughts around? Is that at the end of the day fundamentally the same approach you're trying to take with containers? Are, are you basically trying to take the model and I, don't I wouldn't know. say cookie cutter it, but, you know, to, to take those skills and transfer it over? It's right? a good question. You know, and it's funny, Aaron, you know, like you say with CloudStack, you know, CloudStack's best characteristic was anybody could get a cloud going in, in a very short amount of time and keep it up for a long time. But in the long run, I think, all clouds have the same fundamental challenge if they're going to be software driven. You know, if you're Amazon or you're Google or Azure, you can build from the ground up. DigitalOcean's done this, you know, exactly the cloud you want. And you have a lot of freedom to innovate and you have very little legacy you have to deal with. But if you're smaller than those organizations and you have to take a piece of software, whether it's OpenStack or CloudStack or Eucalyptus or anything else that's existed, you start getting into you know what's a really challenging problem, which is that you have, these systems are integration frameworks. They have to talk to things like SolidFire, lots of different storage, lots of different hypervisors, lots of different networks, and and fundamentally there's a there's a this is not easy. And, and it's uh, you know CloudStack very good, but it also very difficult to continue to scale and mm-hmm. grow and innovate on that kind of a platform because you know every time you want to add a feature, you have to figure out how to add that feature to. You know, four hypervisors, you know, to 17 different storage yes. <laughs> frameworks to the point where you have, I mean, literally matrices that are as big as walls to try and figure out what works with what and how to make it all sort of yeah. come together solutions. And so I think we're heading into a phase where, you know, clouds are going to have to get simpler, whether it's CloudStack or OpenStack or vCloud or anything, they're going to have to get simpler. And the real intelligence of how you know, applications work and things happen. I, I think containers are going to make it a lot better to write that logic at that level and let, cl- you know, give clouds the, the task of providing us with a commodity, a consistent instance of virtual machines, disk, network access, and, and something that operators can run reliably, you know, reasonably normal organizations can deploy and scale, um, can be upgraded, you know, and, 
and allow us then as as frameworks to you know to probably applications are going to be deployed in containers. They're going to we're going to monitor infrastructure and see how well it performs. But we're going to I think have to lower our expectations for these these clouds. They are never going to be able to you know become the ultimate data center automation tool that manages every kind of thing that anyone ever invents yeah. and and also be software that can be deployed over and over again in different places. It's right. just it's too high of a bar for cloud stack or open stack or anything to cross. So. I am I'm actually really bullish on the future of OpenStack and the future of CloudStack or anything if if you know the intelligence continues to move upstack and move into you know around things like application design and containers that we're going to be able to to run really good very reliable clouds using all sorts of different cool frameworks without nearly the amount of cost and energy and time so um yeah in some levels you know what we are trying to do is is deliver you know like CloudStack easy experiences that are user friendly but you know i think that the future for for these cloud systems is still pretty bright i i mean he being here at the OpenStack conference and you know i think OpenStack is is really has a potential to be really especially with their focus on the core systems and really you know kind of getting the core to work really well together to be a huge part of of enterprise data center and enterprise operations and as things like you know like docker and kubernetes start to consume them you know, the expectations will be more realistic. I mean, yeah. OpenStack was, it was, you know, it literally can't solve cancer. Yeah. No, expected to. Right. Yeah. Right. No, it's the, I completely agree. All right. So with that, we're kind of out of time for this week. So, um, Chang, Shannon, where can everyone follow you, find out more about what you have going on? Yeah, we're at rancher.com. You can come see us there. Everything we're talking about is open source and available on GitHub. So, Check it out, download it, let us know what you think. We're still in alpha mode, so you'll see, you know, over the next couple of months, a lot of features pouring into the product as we head towards beta and some more stabilization. So always love feedback and new users and people that want to play with containers. Awesome. All right. Thank you. So we are out of time uh, for this week. You can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet, or you can reach us on the web at thecloudcast.net. For Brian, who wasn't able to make the show this week, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. 